Welcome to Ticket to Gamehenge, the podcast that discusses the science behind how to get your friends and family to love our favorite band, Fish, as well as other fish-related topics from the community. You can grab a free chapter of the book at TicketToGameHenge.com. My name is Adam, and joining me as always is my good buddy, Dr. K. All right, here we go, back once again, quarter of a century, 25 episodes in. Can you believe it? As they say in uh, Eastern Europe, can you believe it? Um, Welcome back, everybody. A snowy day in southwestern Ontario. Uh, And as always, even though there's no tour, any real real action happening, there is something to talk about. Uh, Earlier this morning, I got a message from Dr. K. said, today, I want to talk about was fans and bodybuilding or bodybuilding and fans and i was really trying hard to make a connection as to what in the world you're going to talk about and the only the only thing the only connection i have in my mind to anything to do with fish and bodybuilding is when uh trey is talking about arnold and pumping iron <laughs> in bittersweet motel when he's talking about i'm coming i'm coming all day you know and all that stuff so buddy take it away i'm really curious to see and to hear what you have to say about bodybuilding and fans. Because I don't think of fish fans when I think of bodybuilders. It's I really not, don't. It's all mindset. It's, uh, but I, I, I think of how to word these things. I'm like, I want to send Adam. I want to word it in a way that Adam's like, what the hell is this idiot talking about? Well, I would never think you're an idiot, but maybe another word. Respect. <laughs> so yeah. doing my, uh, I was doing my morning reading. And I was reading data on how people dislike and this is nothing shocking this is nothing shocking people dislike confusion in marketing or like in communication altogether right so what the study tested they compared a bmw ad to a mercedes ad that was doctored by the researchers and the one was um you know think of one it was something like think of one great thing about mercedes-benz and the more they increase the number, so think of like 10 things or think of 12 things, people started to dislike the ad. Like if you, if it, got, it got so strong that if they did it the other way, like if you're a competitor, like if I'm Mercedes now, part of my marketing or my communication, and I, you know, I hate that I have to always like hedge the term marketing. Marketing is just communication, trying to motivate somebody to do something. Yeah. yeah. The more confusing and the more options or the more things that they made the other person think about the less they liked the product because it was confusing it wasn't simple enough unless and then i thought it's interesting because in the bodybuilding market Mm -hmm. bodybuilders and fitness people like shit because it's challenging they right if you give somebody like a bodybuilder or something simple they're like fuck this man i want the tough shit I want that I get I get the joy from doing the stuff that nobody else will do. Okay. And then I started thinking, okay, well, we're asking a tall order of people, you know, to to discover fish. It's really confusing. And you're asking a lot of their brain, especially if they're not used to the sounds. So maybe we're just bodybuilder mentality. Like and when it comes to music, we're like, give me the confusing stuff. I want to hear Spock's brain because it's messed up. And because it's messed up. And because it requires a lot of effort on my part to interpret the different changes, the direction of the song, that's one of the reasons that I like it. Interesting. Okay. I'm processing that. Just I'm trying idea. to think. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. I'm trying to think if that's if that's true of me and how I and how I like things. Like I um 
when you said that just about how we like it a bit confusing and a bit challenging, I yeah. kind of came back to um, Frank Zappa's music, you know, a few weeks ago when I watched the documentary and was watching that. And uh, yeah, I was thinking about his music and how for some it's like very, very chaotic and very confusing, but I like the challenge of listening to it. Yeah. Talking yeah. about it. Like I, I felt in a weird sort of way, like, yeah, like I can listen to this kind of music and other people can't. Well, it's interesting. And yeah, there's part of you that's like, hey, you know, part of you likes the exclusivity of being like, hey, sure. I'm you know? Sure. Yeah. I think, I think there's, um, and you see this in the, in the fans' comments when you read anything about fish fans. There's uh, definitely somewhat of an air of superiority that kind of goes along with it for some people. Like, uh, and even just getting into, I was there, you weren't, I've been a fan longer than you. Um, you're just, you're just a noob look or whatever they want to call you. Um, yeah, I think there's definitely that there. And I think that's something that fish fans kind of struggle with. Like we talked about this last week, I'm blown away that more people don't know more about the band and they're not, you know, a household name, so to speak. Uh, yet I'm kind of, it's one of the best things that I love about them is that they're one of the best kept secrets. It's a double-edged sword there. Well, look at, you know, what's the bathroom break song? The song that sound like, you know, four standard chords, a pleasant melody. Yeah, or the long one where they can get the four or five minutes to go take a leak or whatever and come back for the jam at the end of the song, right? That the, the, the was a very common response. So interesting, interesting. So what kind of like really challenging new concepts are in bodybuilding? Like what's something that would be considered harder than your average? Is it like a different, different workout, a different meal regimen, different, like, what is it? Bodybuilding is the toughest sport on the planet, right? Like you're literally forced to deprive yourself on purpose for like months and years on end, right? Like to walk around at like, you know, 2% yeah. body fat is ridiculous. Yeah training schedule is like next level so you train like how nobody else trains the you know volume training i don't know what your experiences are with like with with weight training but volume training you know 10 to 12 reps to like grow the muscles or hypertrophy the muscles is by far the hardest like it sucks man it's so painful mm. you're in that that zone and then you're not eating after right so it's just nothing but depravity and it's incredibly hard and you just start to you're the type of person that loves the pain you know i mean i think yeah I think professional athletes, I look at a lot of CrossFitters because I hang around with them and, and the ones who are the best at it are the ones who love the pain. Like they are, they love the abuse. They love it. Interesting. Yeah. They do, yeah. And they, can, they like that burn. They like the pump. They like breaking through the wall and getting that next level, that extra rep. Interesting. Yeah. I think of, uh, I've, I've never really been a gym guy, but the odd time I've been a gym guy, there's always a couple guys in the gym that are like pushing more weight than anything I've ever seen. And you think like you see them pushing that last rep and they're every blood vessel in their head. It was like, it's going to pop open. Yeah. I can't imagine. I think I'll always be skinny, but I think that's interesting though, in terms of the mentality, mm, that's a good concept. That's a good concept. So I guess to apply that to the types of people, I know we've identified a lot of things to get people to like fish. You got to be a fan of music and get blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I think, we add that, to... I think we add that to the category. You know, I think, and I don't know how you would, I don't know how you would, um, other than like, likes that type of music, you know, I don't know mm -hmm. how you would discover, you know, that type of person. Right. Well, yeah, I guess we, we all know people in our lives that are into different things, but somebody who likes the challenging stuff, I guess they'd also have to like music, but interesting. It's an interesting concept. I'm going to be thinking about that one a little bit, I think. Um, very cool. Um, 
okay, so switching gears, if you like, I mean, maybe we can come back to that because my mind is kind of like, I do that thing where I need to absorb things. So That's like, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. That's like me. Um, real quick, so I just want to kind of follow up. So last week we were talking about Trey's new guitar and the 4.0 debate and all that great stuff. Coincidentally, the following day, uh, I'm going through the 2010 tour. Uh, they took a break after the 4th of July until I want to say August the 5th. So, so they took about one month off and came back and played um, Berkeley. And I'm uh, listening to the show as, uh, as always, and I get to the encore. And the first encore track on in that show, let me bring it up again here. I wanna get the date right, just in case anybody wants to listen to it, is uh, August the 5th. Yeah, so a month since the previous show. And then the first encore song, it's called Thank You, Paul. And it's about three minutes long. And Trey had just been given a new Languedoc guitar. It was like the 3.0 guitar and he, you know, has a whole crowd say thank you to Paul and talks a little bit about his relationship with them and how he's there from the early days and, um, you know, plays some dedicated solos, uh, you know, thinking about that guitar. So I just thought the timing of that was really, really interesting that uh, as we kind of embrace the 4.0 guitar and uh, uh, wait with bated breath to hear it, you know, I happened to listen to the show where the 3.0 guitar was introduced. So that was kind of neat. Um, Another thing we were going to talk about last week that I wanted to get into this week are set lists. So, um, you know, one of the things that I always love about Dave Matthews band was uh, uh, no, no two shows are the same. Uh, the set lists can really vary. As I've gotten to fish, obviously people that know fish know that that's the same, but they're way more varied. They're way more unpredictable than even say Dave Matthews. So Dave Matthews in a tour would rotate amongst 80 songs. And I think the tour record, uh, if you don't count Baker's Dozen, I think the tour record for the most amount of songs in a year was either 2015 or 2016. And it clocked at over 230, 240 songs total in the tour. It is. It is. So um, I was listening to that podcast, Under the Scales, and they asked Trey the question about set lists. And he goes into it from beginning to end. Now, obviously, it's different from the 90s or from whatever else. But the way it is now, I'll kind of get into. Um, so in a nutshell... He gets during, during during tour, he gets up in the morning, has coffee, and in front of him, he has a list of every fish song, like everything, every cover they do, every original, whatever, even if they haven't played it in 20, 30 years, it's on this list. And as he's kind of groggy and having coffee, he scratches out in circle songs. Yeah, no, yeah, no, la, 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 whatever. Just kind of what he's feeling that morning. From there, he ends up with about anywhere from 80 to 100 songs out of the list of all of them, 300 plus, whatever it is takes that list, sends it to the tour manager so that when they go in for a sound check, they have that list and you can share that with the band. So as they're talking in practice, uh, he'll kind of say, hey, let's do this. And what tends to happen is somebody in the band will say, oh, you know what? I want to run through that because uh, you know it's been a while. So they'll sound check that song. Sometimes they'll go, you know what? <sighs> Man, I got like my kids, like I need a week. Like, like I need to go back and practice on my own because I want to get it right. He talked about mound, um, about how mound, the middle part of mound is really, really hard. They can't just bust it out whenever they want, right? So there are some songs that they plan to bring into the rotation, but sometimes the guys in the band need some more time. Um, from there, they kind of get it down to about 30 to 40 songs. But even as they're walking on to stage, they don't know what they're going to play. They call it in the moment and um, they've done that to make it easier and to free up their mind. So it's not so rehearsed and so planned. 
as they're going on the stage, like anything is on the table still. So even though they have the 30 to 40 songs that they figure are going to be part of that night, it could still have something else. Like if Fishman all of a sudden just smacks in the moment dance, they're going to go in and do it. So there are songs they can bust out whenever, but they take it super seriously and, and, and put thought into just being prepared for, for the song. What's not thought about at all is, did we play this song the last time we were at this venue? They, they, that's not even something that's on his radar. Um, it used to be, I, I guess, when they, you know, first time they were doing multiple nights and big venues, they would plan out the three nights or the four nights because they, you know, wanted to make sure that there weren't repeats and that sort of thing. But they're kind of at the point now where, and I think it's evident when you listen to the songs, they're a lot more free flowing. Um, they consider the quality of the playing. They they clearly take it seriously and don't just want to jump into anything at all. Um, but uh, but yeah, and even like he used to um, plan out if a song ends in a certain key, the next song they would segue into that key. Like if something and I want to say F, simple as an F. Does that sound right? Am I right about that? Yeah. So and they would naturally go into it and write that in. Now, not at all. It's just whatever happens. Like that type of stuff used to be playing group, like groups of songs. It was also asked about how how they bring new songs in. Do they on purpose sandwich a new song in between other songs? And then they kind of compared it to Elton John. Like when you go to see Elton John, you know, he'll do um, Benny and the Jets. And then, hey, you know, this is a new song, blah, 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 blah. Play the new song. And then go, okay, thanks for listening to that. Now here's Tiny Dancer. And Trey's take on that was, very different in the sense that when you go to see Elton John, you might go to see him once, twice in your life. So that's going to happen. If you're going to go to see Elton John, you need to hear your Tiny Dance or all those other songs. But with Fish, he says when he comes out on stage, he's seeing the same people all the time, right? So a new song to him is, isn't isn't treated that same way. Like he's asking for permission or for forgiveness from the crowd to play the new song. They don't do that at all. They don't play where it goes. If they like that song, they just slap it in. They don't care like in the best way well there's the the one uh, i can't remember what show it was it was the um the one where they debuted i think birds of a feather dog stole things um and there was something else and then trey's wrapping up the set and it wasn't like an apology for playing like virginia songs. beach 97 i want to say yeah. was it in a movie last year right yeah. um yeah the, yeah. Tone, the tone of his voice was like you should feel honored that we're giving you these new songs yeah yeah, yeah, totally different, right? It, it's uh, yeah. so they're talking about the difference, like between you know asking for an apology, like "Hey, sorry, we gave you a new song," to it's you know that's what we love playing right now, so that's what so that's what we're gonna play, and they and they've obviously set it up. Woodley, one of the questions was asked. Uh, he said, you know, um, when making a set, when they used to kind of plan out three, four nights in a row, you know, save the really good ones for here. And then Tom said, well, what does that mean? What are the good ones? And they kind of went, well, exactly. That's, that's sort of what it's evolved into is that it doesn't really exist. It's just, it's just all the songs. So really interesting. I'm sure, it's, I'm sure it's changed a bit, maybe even since then, because apparently now they don't really have, last I heard they or read, they really don't have much of a set list going into it. They have an idea, but it's even looser now than it was even four or five years ago. That was from 2016 at MSG. They were talking about that. So interesting stuff cool. um which i guess if you're in a band um i would prefer it that way i've never been in one but you're starting out a band would would you want to have the same set list every night like a band like u2 does or a lot of those yeah. guys i think it depends on i think it depends on your nature as a human being right like yeah. for me um 
I mean, look at the music that I listen to. I can't stand to listen to the same shit, let alone right. like play the same shit, mm -hmm. right? Like sitting down and learning, you know, learning other parts. And it's tough because you want to get somebody else's music right. Like you want to be respectful in the sense that, you know, you're the city with a guitar. You want, you know, you want to hit, you want to make it sound good. But on the same side, like, I don't know, man, I want some like variability. You know, you want to yeah. have fun. You have fun. Then everybody has fun. Right. Yeah, for sure. So I see yeah, 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 totally. I don't, um, I don't think there's a right or wrong, you know? Like, right. I mean, there's something to be said about, you know, the the technical ability of, of going out and just of, of nailing it and having it sound like it's on the album, like being that good of a musician. I think it all depends on what you want. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm reminded of um, the show we went to uh, June of 2019 was the band's debut of Ruby Waves. And if you listen to, um, I want to say, Long May They Run, when they're interviewed in there, Trey says that when they started playing that, only only, only him and Fishman knew it. They hadn't run through it. They just they they just went into it that night. And then Paige and Mike just had to follow along and kind of figure it out. But that wasn't even part of it. He had just come off from Ghost in the Forest. But. It kind of reminds me, um, I don't know where I was watching this, but Ke Kevin Hart kind of does similar. You know, like he'll debut bits and pieces of like a joke that he's working on. Yeah. Um, like at interviews or when like he's sitting down with somebody, he'll like go into a bit and he'll kind of test it to see like what the response is to see yep. where he can slide it in or whether he needs to scrap it or like what type of like what he's getting from it. Mm. Well, that's really that's really common of comics, right? Um, like the way that they build their material and their act, they really rotate around, especially the, obviously the big name comics that have special. What we're not seeing is all the gigs on the road in the clubs where they're testing out all right. that stuff, refining it, getting the cadence, the wording down, the spacing, the beats, all that stuff. There is a there is a full on rhythm and strategy to really good stand up. And we when we see the special, we see the end product. We don't see Jerry, you know, starting out with nothing and bombing on stage, which they all do. Every single comic does it. Um, uh, having done a little bit of that myself, I kind of miss it. I love stand up. It's it's very different from obviously live music, but there's some similarities there in terms of preparation, building building the act. I think when you have a band like Fish, I think there's actually more commonalities because, yep. you know, you have the ability in the moment to be like, oh fuck, you know, you can pull a Bill Burr. Right. Mm -hmm. And then like insult your audience in Philadelphia and like give, you know, probably one of the most famous like mm -hmm. comic performances of the last 10 years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe that's a future topic. Uh, you know, comedy, like if you're, you know, if there's a what types of connections we can make with stand up comedy and fish um, in, in, in terms I mean, of. I think the, I think the, gen, the, the bigger topic is, you know, you have a group of, of, of guys here who weren't just willing to play in the box of music. Like, this is the way that it's supposed to be done. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that was, the biggest, I think that's the biggest inspiration from the dead. Like, the dead did stuff that was like, you know, what do you mean you're giving away the concerts? We should be, you know, recording them and releasing them and making a ton of money off of them, right? Right. Yeah, but encouraging you know? that trading. No, yeah. What do you mean you're not going to be a, what do you mean you want to sell your own tickets and book your own shows at these venues? You can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Turns out you can, <laughs> and you can create a whole new business model for future bands to be able to do that themselves too. Well, not just that and be the most probably profitable band at the time in the history of humanity. Right. Right. Selling, selling less records, making more money. You know? Right. Because like Elton John's fantastic, you know, Elton John isn't, 
you know, selling out epic venues across America all summer long. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, Speaking of epic shows and epic venues, so we're going to segue and talk a little bit about Dinner and a Movie, which is on this Saturday night. First, if I'm not mistaken, it's the first 2.0 Dinner and a Movie, right? Yes, it is. You would be correct. Yeah, so maybe indirectly or directly, I don't know, it sort of inspired me last night. I started to watch the It documentary, you know, bringing back some 2.0 memories and going back to that era. I can't watch it. The part that irritates me is the they keep chopping the live performance with like going back yeah. to the band. Like, come on, guys. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I, well, I think you could buy the It concert where they had selected, like that's a bonus disc. I was watching it on YouTube. I have it downloaded, but that's just a bonus disc to um, the actual highlights of the concert because I don't think the full thing was ever released on DVD. It was about an hour and a half to two hours of highlights of the of the festival itself but it definitely got me back into the 2.0 i guess mindset and i've listened to every 2.0 show i went back and did that about a year ago and um so i've heard the show that's uh coming up um what was it july 25th 2003 yeah don't just don't name i don't remember the set list don't spoil it. yeah neither do i um but yeah i'm interested to see it obviously there's uh you put out an email today that there are some great shows from 2.0 there's some stuff that's not so great I'm sure, but uh, yeah, I'm excited about that either way. Um, it is, it is, it is tough to see to see Trey in that state, though. It really is because uh, you know you're so familiar with him now, and I guess it's a bit easier to watch knowing what's happened on the other side of things. You know what I mean? You know, we don't know how the story ends per se, but we know where we are and how healthy he is, the band is, uh, where they are. So it, it reminds me of like, you know, when you get to about thirty. Mm-hmm. And, and you know you're kind of phasing out of the bar scene and and like getting completely like blackout smashed isn't cool anymore but there's like <laughs> still, there's still the buddy that wants to continue the trend like consistently yep you know you're yep. just and you're just watching it and you're like oh man yeah yeah but evidently you know he wasn't the only one there was just a lot of excess partying it was just you know that break that they took in between one and 2.0 was was what year and a half nearly two years and they only came back for a year and a half really it was yeah. end of 2002 and they were done by you know end of the summer 2004 after coventry and um and that was the break where there really wasn't uh, uh anything on the horizon five-year break so when you look back on some of those shows it's evident it's evident that you need it you, you know the memes you see online of 2.0 tray where he's just clearly gone and he's wearing that shirt with all the pockets you can hide all those drugs. Like, yeah, it's just, it's just kind of crazy to see. But hey, some really great music, some good trippy stuff. I mean, it, it's a different element of fish and it has its value. You know, there's no doubt oh, that it, it's a huge part of the story of the band. And there's some really like just really good dark, you know, the mm-hmm. stuff that I, the stuff that I would argue that that 3.0 is missing the most, you know, because I don't know, man, they were in a bad place. Again, you know, like you, you, you create, based on the environment that you're in and they were in a really tough environment. So then it sounds grittier. It sounds nastier. It's pretty, I think it's pretty awesome to be honest when they're yeah. on, you know, nobody yeah. likes missing notes and, and stopping a performance and being like, we fucked that up and we got to start to get like, no, that's not okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, and it's, it's, uh, it's also interesting considering like, again, I don't know the level of abuse or, or, or how much was consumed, but the fact they can still play at the level they're playing at, 
despite all that other shit, you know, it makes me wonder about how key things like muscle memory are like, you know, there's probably certain things you need to be very, very focused on, but other elements of songs, if you played that song hundreds of times, do you just go into autopilot and you can figure it out and do it? I'll ask you as a guitar player, are there certain things that you could be high as a kite, drunk as a skunk and still be able to play? Okay. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting stuff. So, I'm interested about watching that. We'll definitely be talking about it next week. I, uh, I'm going to do my best to stay up and watch the whole thing. And uh, yeah, hopefully I, it's not too, too uncomfortable. I probably won't be watching it until the week after on Thursday. Because Thursday nights are night to watch. Oh, wow. Okay. So we'll have to yeah. wait until two weeks to talk about it on here. Well, whatever. Nice. You, you can talk about it. Just don't give away any other songs. <laughs> that would be tough. Talking about a band, our favorite band, and I can't talk about the song. Okay. Sure. So how about, so how about we wait a couple of weeks? Um, in the meantime, another show to look forward to, we had to uh, do a little bit of digging to find out if it was a 93 or 95 show, just based on the poor penmanship of the release. But uh, we determined it's 8-17-93. I was 13 years old. And uh, yeah, Kansas City show, um, early, early 1.0, right around the time of Rift coming out. So um Really, really excited about that. It's great that they put those shows out. I wish there was a little bit more. Uh, even like I learned not too long ago, they fully recorded video, all that stuff. They have Cypress Creek. It's in a bank somewhere. It's yeah. all done. It's yeah. just a matter of the right event to release it. And clearly it's the same with the bulk of the 1.0 stuff. We talked about that as a bit of a strategy. But yeah, anytime we get new shows that uh, are new to, new to us, love that. Really, really excited to check that I one out. So uh, You know, like people give them a lot of shit. I can't blame them. No, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of value in these shows. You know, there's a lot of uh, the fact that they're releasing anything. Number one, like let's be a little bit grateful here, other than being, you know, um, upset that they that they haven't released all that stuff. But like this is big money that we're talking about here. Like the the rights mm-hmm. to these shows, these releases, the videos, the income that that could generate, not just for them, but for the families and 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 for their legacy. If you have that opportunity, man, you don't Good waste point. it you know, to like, just throw it out there, you know, you, you, it, you know, like for all the good stuff, the Grateful Dead did, they did a lot of like dumb business shit. Like what? Well, like, you know, Mickey Hart's dad running away, like with the, with their money, he was their manager. Oh. For that song okay. was written for Mickey Hart's dad. Oh, okay. I, yeah. yeah. I'm not, I, I got to get more of the dead history. Like I don't, I don't know it that well. Uh, you know, so like it's, it's, they, they gave a lot of, you know, like they gave a lot of stuff away. Like there's a lot of freeloader, like just freeloading and that type of stuff. So, you know, for these guys to be like, ah, we worked really hard, you know, and, and we'd like to be set up and, and, and our families to be set up after we're gone. I don't blame them for any of that stuff. You know, yeah. like look, at, like look at Zappa stuff. Zappa, you know, again, the family takes just abuse from the fans because of the way like they're releasing these things now, you know, and then, you know, the concerts are coming out and the videos coming out and like the family has to like release and sell these things or whoever has Zappa's estate right. has to yep. sell these things. And this is where probably most of their money's coming from. Yeah. But alternatively, like, I guess if I'm a fan, if all of a sudden Fish just made it all available, boom, dropped every single show they've ever done on the app and you can get it. I don't think I would like that. I, like, no. cause I like the idea of, although it's old, it's new to me. Right. I can, there's a certain cadence that comes out with these shows that makes me appreciate them more. Um, you know, like, if it was, 
I just like being able to focus on that show, right? And then you listen and then you re-listen and then, you know, you put yourself in the context of, okay, well, where were they in 93? What was the venue? You know, yep. that whole thing. So that's how I listen to it. Yeah, yeah. I've been, I've been really fascinated with 1.0 lately. Um, the meteoric rise and uh, the relentless touring and the evolution of their sound and what influenced it. And then, you know, just all the things that were going on in the background at the same time. It, 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 it's an era to me that I'm, I'm getting more and more fascinated with and want to listen to more and more of those shows. Um, I, find they were, that, I find, as an aside, I find it really interesting that of all the eras you dove into 3.0 first. Mm-hmm. You know, because I listen to the 3.0 stuff, I only ever really go back to 1.0. Yeah, that's that's sort of me lately, apart from that stint where I did every 2.0 show in order. Um, but I haven't gone back since. Like this dinner and a movie coming up this weekend will be the first time I've listened to a 2.0 show in over a year, for sure. Um, but I think the reason I did it is because... Uh, I guess I got into everything in 2019 and I like the complete catalog. I like hearing all of the songs, but lately I've been going out of 20, no, I've already done 2009, but I've been leaving 2010 to go into other shows because I want to hear some different songs. Like I'll go up to a 2018 show so I can hear Mercury or, you know, some of those, some of those newer tunes. Cause I, I've ended up missing them knowing that they're out there and I haven't listened to them. I have deviated and, um, you know, going back, I listened to the last show in uh, 2000 when they were going on break um, and check that out. I, I've, uh, yeah, I, I just, I just find it really, really fascinating about how much their sound um, and songwriting change in that amount of time. These little blocks and sets, I'm kind of learning about even the different songwriting weekends that Trey had with Tom Marshall and the songs that came out of those weekends and how they're all kind of grouped together. And it's, uh, yeah, I just find it super, super fascinating. such a rich history for the band, everything they've been through. And there's still more to uncover. It's like, uh, it's like a never ending onion with so many layers, you know, but um, very much appreciative. And yeah, I just think what it'd be like to be back in that time at one of those shows, seeing them at those clubs, knowing full well that, holy shit, this scene is changing and they're growing and, you know, going from little bars to clubs, to theaters, to arenas, really in like three, four years, you know, every time they came back to a city, bigger venue, more fans, you know, a bigger backstage party, all that other great stuff. So yeah, I find it a really interesting, um, time and it still you know holds i think it doesn't carry the band now but without 1.0 you don't have fish you don't have what it is you know it's so unique oh buddy 1.0 was it 1.0 was it man that was a mere you know like without that you there would be nothing there would be just a band making some really good music in a bar yeah do you think they should have um gone on hiatus after big cypress that's the thing that that they talk about all the time was that they were peaking and where do you go from there and but 2000 was a great tour like like it was some amazing shows that came out of 2000 to be clear my favorite i mean i've, I've heard as much of big cyrus as i can right that's available yeah. to me right now 2000 is my favorite year i i think they sound the best mm. you know i think they i think they sound the best i think yeah. debating on whether they should have gone on tour or not is is i think that i think that adds to the to the mythos you know like it's 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 like Jimi hendrix you have these these, these songs that he recorded, you know, you have this sound that completely transformed rock and roll music. You know, it, um, I think it's, I think part of the, the legend is that he passed away. Yes, Kurt Cobain, same thing. Kurt Cobain, even, even, but then you have the opposite of that, right? You have someone like Eddie Van Halen. I don't know, man, I can't personally, and I I'm, feel free, you know, if I, get, if I get abused for this statement, it's probably well-deserved. 
I cannot listen to Van Halen, you know, with Sammy Hagar or beyond. Really? Like, those first four albums are so good and it's so authentically Van Halen and it's so groundbreaking, right? I don't know if you right. watched that Steve Vai thing. He was like, there's two guitar players that changed guitar forever. Jimi Hendrix and uh, yeah. Eddie Van Halen. And he's right. He's right. I can't go back. So part of me is like, kind of glad, you know, there's something to be said about going out on top, man. Yeah. Showmanship, right? Leave them wanting more. And uh, yeah, but, I, I, and I think Fish would have done that. It, it, like in 2000, definitely felt that way. Coventry, I don't know. It seemed like it was the end. You listen to that show. It was just like, oh, this is it. Yeah, and how awful would it have been if that was the end? Yeah. Yeah. You stumble across as like, you know, mm -hmm. like a, a shadow of your former self. Yeah, it's too bad. Right? Luckily like, for us, though, it didn't happen. Oh, excellent for us. Like 2.0 is amazing, but compared to like 2000, not even in the same ballpark. Yeah. In yeah. my opinion, anyways. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, to listen to that show October 7th, 2000. Um, and, and I think a tip is when booking shows in the future, try to get shows at the end of the tour not the beginning of the tour because the end of the tour the band sounds the best right and to listen to that show even though they knew they're going out on a break it just sounded great you could you could just hear how tight they were and that's it's just true. awesome that's true of any tour by the way every yeah, time i yeah, sure. listen to a complete tour front to back by the end of the tour i'm like fuck you guys have found your legs man yeah there's an excitement about the early the early stuff for sure right uh you know what are they going to bust out this year what's new what's different but yeah in terms of overall quality of the show end of the tour is always the best so hopefully uh we'll be able to do that in the future all right man anything else from you yeah, no 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 i'm excited to hear the show i'm uh, i'm excited for the release on friday i'm excited for dinner it's awesome man it's just so lucky to have this stuff yeah yeah, absolutely. And um, we'll see what else the next week brings. So you're going to think about that bodybuilding thing and the challenges that go along with that. And uh, yeah, man, that was interesting. Like I, but I think you're right. It's a different type of mentality and a different type of challenge that somebody like that would be willing to take on. It's finding that person that has that mentality, even if it's not bodybuilding, to have that type of type of mindset in other things. Right. Well, you know, you just listen, like it's, it's a chore. I'm not going to pretend like I liked the uh the composed middle section of reba the first time i heard it i'm like what the fuck is this right right, right? it wasn't like it was new that was the first time i've ever heard anything like that you know <laughs> i didn't <laughs> listen to i didn't listen to any jazz music i was a kid listening to to led zeppelin and the dead and i didn't even listen to all of the dead because some of the stuff was 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 too out there for me right so i'm used to four four timing you know one four five chord changes pentatonic you know, sounding blue stuff. And then you have this. Yeah. Yeah. And to pretend yeah. and to pretend like it's not a mental effort to get your mind around that stuff. Like I was, I couldn't even listen to all of Frank Zappa stuff. I was like, this is too weird for me, man. It took a lot right. of like, it took me a long time to try to climb that mountain before I was like, aha, I get it. And I like it. Right. Yeah. And it's tough for me to remember that too, because I almost expect people to instantly like it the same way that I do. Um, got this kid that works at the store, a uh, young kid named uh, Tanner. He's 21, always has his headphones on. So we started talking about music a few weeks ago and he listens to everything, right? He's one of these kids that's into everything from uh, hip hop, rock, jazz, whatever. So yesterday I told him about Fish and uh, he listens to music on Spotify and I don't have Spotify, I use Apple Music and or the Fish app. And I went in to his Spotify to see what albums they have. I can't believe how many live 
like every live fish release, like it, it, it's out there. So um, I was scrolling through. He's like, so which one should I start with? And uh, I said, well, number one, what I've learned with fish is you need to listen to live fish. Uh, you can go with an album. It might be easier, but it's not going to really represent how good the band is. So scrolling through and eventually we settled on a live one, although it's not one show, it's highlights of all their live music mm -hmm. put into one. Yeah. I said, this is probably a good place for you to start 95. It's 1.0 stuff. It's really, so I'm, cu I'm curious to see. He said he was going to listen to it last night. I'm going to see him tonight and we'll see. Like, I'm curious to hear his thoughts. I mean, uh, he plays instruments and all that stuff. So I'm curious mm -hmm. to hear his thoughts. Do you still listen to Top 40? Like, do you still listen to a lot of it or at all? Um, the the only version of it that I listen to is what plays in the store that I work on, work at. We, we have a playlist that plays, and I don't know, for the most part, if those songs are currently popular. Yeah. Um, it's all stuff that's mostly done within the past couple of years, and there's a lot of covers. Like, there's a, there's a, a cover of the Beatles' Drive My Car, some female singing. Like, there's a lot of cover tunes on it. It's meant to be family-friendly music. That's it. I don't seek it out on purpose at all. Yeah. I don't choose to, but it plays where I work. So I guess so. Yeah, I do. I listen to everything. Yeah. I like I like pop music. I think it's great. You know, I like Justin Bieber. I like I like Billy. I think those artists are outstanding, but they I don't keep coming back to listen to it. It's funny, you know, I was talking about that kind of yesterday. I, I was I was comparing great music to great to great people. Um, yeah. In a sense that, you know, the more you get to know somebody like that, that, that really has a lot of great qualities, the more endearing they become to you. Um, or even talking about attractiveness, you know, you, you probably met females and, and, and your first impression is, wow, this person's really good looking. So and then you get to, up. right. And then you get to know them over time. They start to say some dumb shit or do some dumb things. And you start to equate those actions to how you perceive them. And um, pop music in many ways is to be that hot, that hot chick right off the hop. The first time you hear it, I like this, it's designed. But over time, it kind of wears you down and gets a little bit more boring and not as flashy versus music like Fish, it's gotta take a bit of work. You gotta get to know them. And as you listen to it more and more and you, and you hear all these little details and the intricacies and the slight changes, you start to appreciate it more and more, but it takes a bit of time, kind of like a fine wine, right? Um, well, yeah. I think I think that's absolutely true, and it also makes you respect a band like the Beatles, you know, and people mm. who are wrote all these number one songs that you still hear these songs today, and you're like, holy moly! Yeah. Man, I can't believe somebody made this a song. Yeah, it's tough to imagine a time when those songs didn't exist, right? Yeah. Like that was that was created by somebody. And on a very basic level, I often think about that of songs like "Happy Birthday" or these songs that just everybody knows. Yet yes. somebody created that. At some point, it didn't exist. And that's You're true right. of everything that's around us. I mean, at, at some point, you know, none of it existed. It's all been made up by somebody, really. But there's, that is a bit mind-boggling. There's a couple of, like, just, you know, transfer, like, the internet. Like, we remember a time before yeah. the internet. We're, we're the last generation with that, really. Yeah. And it, there's a very big difference in life pre and post. And it's also, you can apply that to fish and how they've marketed and navigated the world pre-internet, post-internet. And they were one of the first to adopt it, but still, you know, had their mailing lists and all these different things going on before they were able to leverage that tool. Well, that's what I think is, is one of the, you know, one of the things I, I, I think we should, you know, we should dedicate to the band is, is how well, you know, that they've marketed and how well they've had their pulse on like communicating with people in a way that they don't even know they're being marketed to. Like they had a hotline yeah. where like you could call to see when they were going on tour. Like these guys yeah. knew what was going on, man. 
Yeah. Even just, I don't know if you saw it on Reddit, somebody, somebody posted uh, like the guideline or invitation to Clifford Ball. And it had, I don't know if you saw that at all, but they posted a photo of it and it had like the dates and times and suggestions of what to bring. And there was going to be the dedicated radio station for them to tune into when they get there. And just all these levels of detail and thought that they put into the festivals and the way that they marketed those. Um, you know what, like not even, you know, like not even the marketing, it was they understood how people that were coming to their shows actually listened to their music. Mm-hmm. You know, this is like the Steve Jobs ability. Like Steve, you know, a great example was the iPad. Mm-hmm. This guy creates the iPad. Everyone laughs at him. You're an idiot. You know, you have this thing. He's like, you don't understand how people use this stuff. Right. You know, they were just, these guys just understood what people would need. They didn't even know that they needed it coming to a festival, but they made it happen because they knew that they would need it. Right. Right. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pretty awesome. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. All right. Let's <laughs> <There> go. go. <laughs> and on that note, I think we should wrap it up. I mean, hey, I agree. Again, feeling really, really lucky. But yeah, everybody smash the like button. And hey, if you can, leave a comment. It actually does help us. So I've learned recently in the podcast world, um, if people leave a comment, if they give you a rating, it tells the bots that we're a real thing, that we're not just kind of putting up garbage i mean in some people's ears but that there's real people that are behind this podcast um so for you listeners take take a second slap slap a rating on there ideally five freaking stars but uh, that will that will help us it'll get people will be will be will rise to the top of the list so to speak we'll be searched more and be able to be found so yeah if anybody can do that that would be super that's my petty ask for the week um apart from that stay safe have a great week and uh, keep sharing in the group bye everyone You've been listening to Ticket to Gamehenge. In addition to wherever you find your podcasts, you can find us on Instagram, YouTube, and of course, TicketToGamehenge.com, where you can grab a free chapter of the book, How to Get Your Friends Into Fish. Make sure you subscribe to stay up to date on the latest episodes. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep sharing in the groove.